following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, creating a partnership of good health. I'm your host, Tom Wood, from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As you all know, we are the largest subspecialized neurosurgical group in the state of New Jersey. Our main office is in Morristown, right here in Morristown, New Jersey, at 310 Madison Avenue. Our main phone number, pretty much for everything, is 973-285-7800. Our website, and please visit the website. I've been telling you for the past year about the new website, so go visit, because it actually is up, finally, a couple of months ago. It's ansdocs.com. Again, that's ansdocs.com. Uh, we also have the new patient portal on there, so I'd like everyone to register. That gives you the ability to really look at your medical records, do some private messaging with us, and really keep connected on your health within um, Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Also, we have some new uh, centers that I told you about, which is our Brain Tumor Center, our Skull-Based Surgery Center, and our Spine Center. All the information is on there, as well as a lot of new educational pieces. So take a look at the website at ansdocs.com. Also, our new offices will be opening. We have our newest one going to be opening probably in around two months in Teaneck, New Jersey. Um, so keep an eye out for that for our Bergen County listeners. Um, and, of course, the Answers Live website, which is AnswersLiveNJ.com, which keeps you in touch with the actual show itself. As you know, all the shows that we do live here on the air do get uploaded to that site where you can re-listen to them, send messages to me to get in touch with my guests. Um, as always... I do listen to your letters. Um, I try to bring you the shows that you request. Uh, today's show was a request, but it's also a personal um, request on myself because I do suffer from sleep apnea recently. So um, believe it or not, I was at a health fair a couple months ago, and I met uh, my guest there who is a specialist. She's a dentist, and she's a specialist in treating that um, through dental. So I spoke to her, and I asked her to please come on the show and educate us on sleep apnea and what is a dentist's role in that. And uh, the dentist um, is Dr. Cindy Edelstein, and she is from West Morris Dental Sleep Medicine. And the address there, get your pens and pencils there, is 20 Commerce Boulevard, Suite B, and she's located in Sakasana. The office number there is 973-584-1066. And I'll give you all that information again throughout the show, but I do want to welcome you, Dr. Cindy Edelstein, to the show. Thanks, Tom. Thank you so much for coming on. Again, I told everyone we met at like, uh, a health fair a few months ago, and I was just recently uh, diagnosed with sleep apnea. So you basically, I went over to you and uh, your area, and we talked a lot. And I thought it would be very interesting for you to come on and educate um, the listeners on apnea and what is a dentist's role in it. Before we do that, though, please let our listeners know a little bit about you and your office. Sure. Uh, my name is Cindy Edelstein. Uh, I'm up in Sakasana, New Jersey. We also have a secondary office in Hackett. 
Jamestown, New Jersey as well. Um, I've been in Sakasana for about 20 years. Uh, general dentist in Sakasana for about 20 years. Been treating sleep apnea for close to 15 years or so. Uh, kind of flying under the radar for a lot of years. Right. Um, but sleep apnea itself has become really the forefront uh, of a lot of research and, and new medicine uh, um, uh, coming out. So, so in the past three or four years, all of a sudden, that small piece of my practice has, has kind of exploded. Um, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine was the guiding force behind that. Uh, they changed their guidelines and really started to put uh, heavy weight on what dentists do and what we can do to help patients who are apneic. Right. Uh, so you know, once they acknowledged what we were doing was legitimate, and the research proved that what we were doing for patients was legitimate, all of a sudden my, my phone started to ring with local pulmonologists and sleep docs who said, hey, listen, you know, I've got patients that need help that uh, you know, need you. So all of a sudden we became busy in the past three or four years. Right, right. And I can attest to that. Like I said, uh, for the listeners who know, I was diagnosed with sleep apnea, pretty severe, uh, probably around... I don't know, five or six weeks ago, maybe a little longer. Um, so severe that they told me I wanted to do the dental route right away because it's really the easier route because I can tell everyone with the sleep machine, um, it takes a lot getting used to. Um, I've lost the you know the weight that um, would have helped, and I still have it, but um, hopefully we'll lose a little bit more and I won't need the machine. But the, um, the dental part is something that I want to look into eventually, and hopefully I can. Um, it's not for everyone. We'll learn that throughout the show. Um, but thank you again for coming. So let's start with the topic itself. Um, uh, from uh, What is sleep apnea? Well, sleep apnea is the cessation of breathing for more than 10 seconds during the course of a night. For some people, that can happen 30 times an hour. For some people, that can happen up to 70 or 80 times an hour. Um, you know, more, more importantly, it's a gasping of breath, um, a collapse of the airway through the course of the night. Okay. When I was um, at the fair, you, you did a, a quick but very simple test on me. What were you doing? Well, in the dental office, you know, to look at an airway really requires an MRI, but really not something that's practical to do in a dental office. So we use something in our office called a rhinometer and a pharyngometer, which is really a gl glorified sonar. Okay. We have you breathe into a tube and bounce a sound off your airway, uh, uh, your nose and your throat, and determine what size your airway is. And then the simple uh, explanation of what we do is we manipulate your lower jaw to improve your airway size. So we place your lower jaw where the best position it should be to keep your airway as large as possible. Okay. Getting back to the actual sleep apnea. So really sleep apnea, for those who don't know, is, is while you're sleeping, how it's explained to me, is your muscles, your, your trachea is really not a muscle, it's cartilage. Mm -hmm. It's held open during the day by musculature. When you go to sleep at night and everything relaxes, you don't have that assistance and those who are um, have larger necks, um, um, Italian, so it tends to uh, uh, really have a larger neck, um, <laughs> it seems to collapse at night. Yes. Uh, my wife was telling me for quite a long time that um, your snoring is getting worse, uh, um, you're gasping at night, you're stopped breathing, and I was just like, you know, we've been together 20-something years, I'll just go in the other room then. And jokingly, that started to happen. I was... Mm -hmm. She was waking me up so much that I was miserable. So I started to, you know, go on the couch, go to sleep, wherever. My kids weren't there. I'd sleep in their bed. I was like the dog. Wherever I could lay, I was laying. Until really, I just said to myself, I don't feel good. Um, things were just not right. So what are some of the symptoms, I'll let you tell them, that you hear people are experiencing Then I could add in mine? 
Well, usually the biggest problem that brings patients in or is what you just said. It's usually the elbow to the chest that really hurts the patients the most. Right. <laughs> and it's usually the sleep partner that suffers oftentimes the most because the apneic patient oftentimes does not know this is happening to them because as they gasp for air, they kind of roll over and, and start to breathe again and go right back to sleep. So the arousal time is very is very small. So the apneic patient doesn't often know that it's happening. Um, what you, How you explained your trachea is, is, is exactly true. In my office, we use the analogy that the uh, airway is kind of like a fire hose. And when there's nothing in it, it flattens. So everybody has a collapsibility to their airway. Some people have a greater propensity towards that collapse, and that's what we measure in the office. But um, the biggest reason that bring people into the office is that daytime tiredness, you know, just not feeling well during the course of the day. The second thing that brings people in is usually witnessed apnea. It's the bed partner, really, that plays the biggest role. Is the one who says that, listen, you know, they stop breathing and I have to nudge them, and they, you know, they kind of kickstart them again. Right, right. Um, so, like I said, for people listening, the the symptoms really are your tiredness. Now, uniquely, I, I don't know if you can get that after about two years on the show. I'm a little bit hyperactive uh, in general. I do a lot. I keep going. I didn't have the overall sleepiness during the day. Sit me on the couch to watch a movie. I was out like a light. Uh, mine were more, just more overall fatigue itself. I just didn't feel that great. And as I was getting older and older, um, I just felt not rested for me. Um, and that's when I really, like I said, I went and finally had the sleep test um, through my uh, physician, a pulmonologist did mine. And I did it at home um, with insurance, as we all know. They're not paying for the sleep centers as much. They're doing a lot of these things at home. It was a very simple test, and mine was so severe, even the doctor said it was that, that, it was that, that bad. So, of course, then I worried, and um, I asked right away, could I get the mouthpiece? Um, a couple of years ago, I, I bought one online, and I'll never do that again because <laughs> it's this cheap little device that I chewed up in about a week like a dog toy. Um, so it didn't really do that well. Um, but I did want to go the dental route, but he said mine was so severe that at this point he just wanted to get me regulated, lose some of the weight, and see how I did. So for those listening, let's talk a little bit about, before we get into what you're doing, what are some of the long-term effects if we don't treat sleep apnea? Well, the crossover between sleep apnea and diabetes and hypertension is really very well documented. Almost 80% of people who are diabetic with high blood pressure are apneic. So oftentimes, the diagnosis comes when somebody in their 40s and early 50s, you know, the blood pressure starts to creep up. And all of a sudden now, you know, their their blood sugar levels are starting to creep up. And that's when a conversation will start with your physician about how you're sleeping at night. So really the biggest uh, comorbidities that go along with sleep apnea are hypertension, um, uh, diabetes, and stroke. Right. So, you know, it's also been linked with, uh, you know, um, erectile dysfunctions and some hormonal uh, uh, issues because all the good stuff that your body produces comes out during your delta deep sleep. So all those, all the hormones in your body that are produced that help fight a lot of these diseases are all produced when you get into those levels of deep sleep. And if you're snoring or if you're apneic, you don't get into those levels. Right. So you, you don't get into those deep sleeps and you don't get what you need. For instance, the biggest one being nitric acid. Nitric acid is produced while you get into the deep delta sleep. What does nitric acid do? It stops plaque formation on arterial walls. 
Well, we all know what that means. If you, you know, if you get plaque formation on your arterial walls, there goes your blood pressure, and there goes your biggest incident of heart attacks and strokes. Right. So uh, it's 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 important that you get that deep sleep. Uh, if you if you're snoring or if you're apneic, you're not getting into that deep sleep. Right. And that's how it was explained to me. Um, was and that's really what scared me the most when we were speaking about it. And he told me, like you said, I was having s- uh, almost seventy episodes in an hour, which was quite severe. severe. Some of the pauses were so long, and I and they uh, for those listening, they they hook you up to an um, an O2 saturation monitor for the test to show where your oxygen levels are. And mine were dipping down into the 60s and the 50s. Um, as you all know, my background is health too. When we were in the hospital, anyone dipping under like 92, we would throw you on oxygen. Mm. So the fact that I realized that I was not getting that, and like I said for everyone. I, I wasn't getting the sleepiness because most people do. My cousin was just diagnosed, and you talked to him, and his eyes would close while you're talking to him during the day. Um, he even said frequent urination. I noticed I was getting up, but I'm like, well, I'm going to be 50, so that's kind of normal, you know, the normal, I'm an old dog kind of thing. <laughs> Things happen. But he said, no, that's part of it. Like the symptoms that he was telling me that I was having all linked back to the sleep apnea, possibly, mm-hmm. um, is really what woke me up for that. Um, and that's what really bothered me, too, is, like I said, I, I am a health guy. I love going to the gym. I love keeping in shape. Um, the fact that he said, I'm not hitting that deep sleep, like you said, I'm not producing these hormones. Um, I struggle with the weight because I'm not going into this deep sleep where these things are secreted that help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, people with sleep apnea tend to be overweight because they eat more because they're not moving around. Um, and it seems to be a cascade effect. It, definitely. It's, it's, you know, when you are tired, you rush to the carbs to keep you going through the course of the day. So it becomes a vicious cycle. Um, as you reach for the sugar and the carbs to keep you running through the course of the day, the weight gain increases. As the weight gain increases, the apnea gets worse. But, you know, the poster child for apnea used to be that big, burly, 250-pound right. football player with the neck, you know, the, you know, the, the, the no neck there at all. And it's kind of changed a little bit. You right. know, now you've got these 90-pound, 80-year-old women who are severely apneic. So there's more to the apnea than just the weight. Right. And, uh, you know, people say, well, I'm like a skinny guy. I'm a fit guy. Uh, you know, it doesn't always go that way. It has right. to do with the muscles in your neck and the way they fire when you breathe. Exactly. And as I uh, uh, talk to more people about me being on it, you're right. People are like, oh, I've been on that machine. And I, you look at them and they're fit or they're thin, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, it was it's shocking how, how prevalent this is becoming, but it's such a topic that we really need to talk about, um, get diagnosed, and then figure out what treatment's best. I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what I'm, how I'm being treated, and then really where you come in and the expertise of your practice. I'll be right back. There's a unique place in New Jersey that more and more people are discovering. A pioneer in healthcare, leading the way with programs like their nationally recognized spine center, skull base surgery center, and their brain tumor center. That place is Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, ANS. Improving lives with exceptional neurosurgical services, medical firsts, and one-of-a-kind programs. ANS, home to New Jersey's largest group of world-renowned, fellowship-trained neurosurgeons offering advanced treatment options. ANS, a leader in stroke care 
hair with a success rate greater than the national average. Among the first in the country to use stent trievers, allowing surgeons to immediately restore blood flow to the brain. ANS, the leaders in spine care, using the latest minimally invasive techniques for spine surgery that actually reduce recovery time from weeks to days. ANS, restoring hope and helping patients regain their lifestyles. And it's all happening right here in New Jersey. For more information, go to ansdocs.com or call 973-285-7800. Welcome back to Answers Live. I'm your host, Tom Wood, from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. Again, we are the largest subspecialized neurosurgical group in the state of New Jersey. Our number there is 973-285-7800. My special, excuse me, my special guest this morning is Dr. Cindy Edelstein. She's from the West Morris Dental Sleep Medicine um, right here in Sakasana. The number there, again, is 973-584-1066. We're talking about sleep apnea, which is uh, close to my heart lately because, as I told you, I was diagnosed with it, and I'm going through the treatment um, with the CPAP machine, um, which is an experience in itself. Um, I'm doing well with it, but, again, it's a little bit rough. Um, what Dr. Edelstein does is a dental perspective and treatment of that. So... Um, Dr. Edelstein, before we get into what you do, real quick, I'm on a CPAP machine. Uh, for those of you uh, that don't know what that is, it's um, a machine that I wear. For me, I'm a mouth breather, which is very interesting because I have to wear a full face mask. So for to picture what it looks like, and not to make it sound scary, but if you see a patient in ICU or in the hospital that's really sick and they have that big mask on their face, that's kind of what I look like now sleeping at night. Not attractive, but it's helping me out. Um, but let's talk about that, a CPAP machine. Well, good for you, Tom, that you're, you're doing it because um, uh, if you are severely apneic, a CPAP machine is really what you need. And it's not the easiest thing to get used no, to. And the compliance rate is really quite low. Uh, people under the age of 50, maybe you'll get 40% of people to wear it uh, the way they're supposed to. The elderly population tends to do a little bit better with it, um, but it's just not all that sexy if you're young. Right, right. And so uh, it, it's difficult to get used to. Most most people complain of claustrophobia, of being tethered to something through the course of the night and, you know, for kind of feeling like you're sleeping in a wind tunnel, um, especially if you're a mouth breather and you're wearing the full face mask. So it can be really frustrating to get used to them. Right. And I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm pretty proud. I'm doing okay with it. Um, mine is severe, so they have the pressure set from low to high. And I guess what I need at night is what's forced into my mouth. Um, it's not that bad. For me, I don't feel restrained. The tube moves around. I'm pretty good with it. What's bothering me more now is, um, believe it or not, is the imprints on my face in the morning. I wake up with these beautiful lines mm -hmm. um, that I won't go out until they disappear. Um, and then, uh, like, drooling lately is the new thing. I, I thought that would happen in my 70s or 80s, but I'm drooling. And uh, I wipe my mouth, and when I do that, I get a leak. And then, the, you know, I even ask the respiratory therapist, is, how do I know if I'm leaking? Well, you know, because the pressure is so high in these masks mm -hmm. that the minute there's a little bit of a leak, it's like shooting air pressure against your face. Um, so... It's 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 getting used to it. It's rough, but if I can get to the point, and I'm hoping where I can come see you and get a dental implant, um, that's kind of the route that I would try. Again, I want to stress to everyone, it's not for everyone. Like I said, the reason I'm on a CPAP machine is my doctor said I'm so severe that a dental implant at this point won't help. But for those who are going to get diagnosed um, and they come see you for a dental implant, explain how that works and what you do. Okay. The American Academy 
Academy of Sleep Medicine's guidelines are very clear about what type of treatment is indicated for a patient. When you get go get your sleep test done, you're either going to get diagnosed as mild, moderate, or severe. Um, from from the sounds of you, you were probably up at the severe level. And severe patients need a CPAP. Still the gold standard, still what you need to do. But for those patients that come out mild or on the moderate scale, an oral appliance is very much indicated for those patients. Uh, it, that means, what are those numbers? Well. Uh, the AHI, that's a very pop popular number to look at when you get your sleep test done. Absolutely. And that's the number of times that you stop breathing in the course of an hour. If that number is under 15 or even under 30, you're a good candidate for oral appliance therapy. When you get up over 30, really CPAP is where you need to or go. Mine was at 77. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting about that, though, is that we have lots of patients that are aware of their oral appliance in conjunction with their CPAP, especially those who've got pressures up at 17 or 18 uh, up on their CPAP machine or their BiPAP machine which is what it sounds like you have. Right. So, you know, with the ad, with the uh, adding the oral appliance into the therapy, we can bring those pressures down to seven or eight, and right. the patients, you know, that makes that CPAP much more wearable. So even though uh, the guidelines are clear that oral appliance is not for the severe patient, it's a very good tool in conjunction with a CPAP machine to make wearing that CPAP machine a lot easier. Okay. So walk us through, um, uh, say we're diagnosed, we're moderate, and, and they say you need to go see Dr. Edelstein and Sakasana, and we go to see you. What happens? When you get to my office, the first thing we do is we take a look at your airway. Um, we, we have you blow into this rhinometer and pharyngometer that we talked about and measure the size of your airway. We'll manipulate your jaw a little bit to find out where the best airway spot is. We're also measuring that collapse. So when we have you breathe into that tube, we actually have you express all your air. So we, we spoke about before how it's kind of like a, a fire hose, and we see how far down you can go. And then we move your jaw around until that uh, end point becomes... Uh, as big as possible, meaning we can't get you to collapse very much at all. And then what we'll do is we also check, we take some x-rays, look at your airway, look at your TM joint to make sure, because that's one thing people will jump at and go, oh my God, what's it going to do to my right. temporal mandibular joint? We check your joint to make sure you don't have any underlying problems. Usually this position is very comfortable for your joint because your joints want to be down and forward. And so we're bringing that lower jaw forward with this appliance. So usually that's a very healthy and comfortable spot for a joint to be in. So, um, you know, is wearing this appliance uh, uh, simple? Yes and no. It's not it's it's not a tiny little thing. It's got some bulk to it, so it takes a little bit of getting used to. Right. Certainly nothing like a CPAP machine, right. but it's not something you're going to go home from my office that day wearing, uh, you know, and go to bed that night with. It takes a little bit of practice. Okay. Um, but that first appointment is all about finding the position of your jaw and checking to make sure your joints are healthy, that your teeth are healthy. And there's, we're not going to do any harm to you with an oral appliance. And then taking your usual impressions and sending them out to the lab to make the appliance. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. So we do the impressions like we would, we're all used to for, yeah. throughout the years. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's the same method with the... Uh, that lovely tasting stuff. And it's got better. It is. Uh, I actually <laughs> just had them for my uh, teeth whitening things, and it wasn't bad at all. Um, and then you send it to a lab. The lab itself is going to make this. A, is it a plastic? What's it made out it's of? It's made of acrylic. Okay. But it's a thermoplastic type of acrylic, so it, as you wear it through the course of the night, it actually uh, hugs the teeth uh, a little tighter, and it's much more stable. If it moves around during the course of the night, you're not going to wear it. So it has to be nice and stable. And that's why those online... Right. Uh, 
devices really, really don't work because right. the, those boil and bite things are not stable enough to stay put through the course of the night right. to A, do what they're supposed to do, and B, to be comfortable. Right. I think mine lasted about a week, and then it was looked like my son's uh, football um Mouthpiece. It was chewed up and crooked, and the screws fell out, and, and it wasn't cheap then. So um, <laughs> this is something that's very interesting. So once they get this back, um, is it an adjustable thing, or is oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. The, there's an adjustment screw on it because as as good as our machinery is, it you know it, it really the bottom line is the sleep, the bed partner, how the patient themselves are feeling, how their level of tiredness is feeling, and also if the bed partner is still witnessing any snoring. You know, remember that, you know, 80% of people snore or apneic. So we used to think snoring was a, was kind of an innocuous, annoying thing that a lot of men do. But really, the, the crossover between snoring and sleep apnea is quite significant. So if you're snoring, chances are you're apneic. Right. But um, that's how we measure whether the appliance is working. But just like any other medical device, we've got to make sure it's working. So after you're wearing your appliance for a little while, you're going back for a sleep test again to okay. see that it's doing what it's supposed to do. And you do the sleep test with the appliance in? Do the sleep test with the appliance in. And for those of you who are on a CPAP machine, probably are aware of that titration sleep uh, test where you go in and you, you do your sleep test again with the CPAP machine on and they titrate what level uh, uh, oxygen you need to be at, what right. level pressure on the CPAP machine. Um, and it's the same thing with dental. So it's important that your pulmonologist or neurologist or internist, whoever's running the show, is working in conjunction with the dentist. And it's important that the dentist be working in conjunction with the physicians because right. this is a medical uh, diagnosis, needs to be diagnosed by a physician. Uh, we, you know, we're part of the team. Right. And and it's important that that the team is there, and it's important that you know you ask if you are on a CPAP machine. Hey, can I? You know, am I a candidate for a dental device? Right. And like I said, my first follow-up visit since the CPAP is coming up, I believe, I think maybe it's even next week, um, for mine. And um, I think because I'm on that uh, the other machine you said where it it tells me when I need because I know when I go to sleep it says five. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how high it goes. One night I did wake up in a wind tunnel and I peaked and it said 10. So I guess throughout the night as I need air, adjusts. It, it, it adjusts itself. Um, but I will definitely ask about um, the medica, the dental implant, because like I said, he said in the beginning, right now you're too severe. Um, like you said, there's a scale for everyone out there listening. Um, and mine was at the top of the scale. It didn't go any further. So he said, let's see how you do on the CPAP machine. Let's lose some weight. And like I said, I'm down around 16 pounds, about inch and a half, almost two inches on the neck. Um, the snoring on the couch watching TV, my wife says, is a little bit better, but who knows? doesn't mean that I'm not still apneic during the night. So we'll see on the follow-up visit. Um, with this dental implant, is there any pain involved? You know, people, uh, when you put things in your mouth, they always worry, mm -hmm. is it going to hurt my jaws? Well, when you wake up in the morning, you know, there's a little bit of stiffness to the jaw joint. It, it has to be. It's been it's been sitting in a different position throughout the course of the night. Okay. But I tell most patients that, you know, if you're the type of person um, that gets up in the morning and the first thing you do is eat breakfast before you've done anything else, then sometimes you can have a little bit of an issue. But for the average patient who gets up in the morning, showers, gets dressed, uh, that kind of thing before they actually eat their breakfast, by the time you get to your breakfast, You've, you've kind of found your home base again. So there is a little bit of soreness, just like sleeping on a joint. You know, sometimes you wake up and your back's a little stiff if you slept a little wrong. It's the same kind of thing. But usually within 20 minutes, half an hour, it goes away. Um, so, you know, if you're wearing appliance and you're waking up with a sore jaw joint, well, then you need to call the dentist who fabricated it and say, listen, you know what, maybe I'm in the wrong spot. Gotcha.
Um, again, the big question everyone always asks, unfortunately, how about cost? Does insurance pay? If so, is it our dental insurance, our medical insurance? Absolutely. Insurance companies do cover oral, oral appliance therapy, provided you do the steps correctly. And this is kind of where some uh, dental offices might fall down. For those offices that don't really want to get involved in the world of medical billing, uh, they're you know charging just a flat rate for an oral appliance, and it can be it can be pretty significant. And they're asking patients to pay out of pocket. In our office, we are we have dove into the world of medical billing, and um, for the average patient, I would say eighty to ninety percent of the time, we get them coverage for the appliance. But you've got to follow the steps. You've right. got to follow the correct steps of diagnosis. It's got to be diagnosed. Your your uh, apnea has to be diagnosed by an MD. The sleep test has to be read by a board-certified sleep doctor, and then the referral has to come from your physician to the dentist. Provided you follow all the steps, absolutely, you should have coverage for it. They they want to. It's 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 a heck of a lot easier to pay for and cheaper than the CPAP machine right. as well. So, um, is, it provided you follow the steps, you're going to be fine. Wow. Okay. Um, also, um, I lost my train of thought. I was going to ask you another question on the insurance part. Um, but it is covered, so they have to go through the exact steps. They have to go through the steps. The most important step being you have to get diagnosed. Right. You can't just, you know, as, as a dentist, and there were a lot of dentists out there that were just somebody would come in and say, I'm snoring, and they would make them a snore appliance. Right. You know, those days are gone. You really have to make sure the patient is is or isn't apneic because a life-threatening disease. Okay. So you've got to make sure that you're diagnosed correctly. So those people out there wondering if they have it, how do they start getting diagnosed? The easiest thing to do is to talk to your internist or uh, family care, uh, primary care physician. Um, you can also talk to your dentist about it. But usually the, the, the first place to start is your primary care physician to tell them that you're sleepy during the day or you're snoring or your wife or your husband has witnessed some sort of apnea. As soon as a physician hears it, they're going to call for the sleep test. And like you said, it used to be that you had to go to a center, but it's not like that anymore. It's, it's, it all can be done at home. And your your uh, primary care physician can order the sleep test, and then they will also get the results. And then based upon where you fall out on the scale, we'll determine where you go next. If you are severe, well, then you're off to the pulmonologist, and you're off to you know you're off to the the road of the CPAP, which is where you should be. Right. If you come out on the mild side, then you know you're you're uh, you can suggest to your primary care physician, you know what, I'd like to go for a dental consult, okay. and that's kind of where we fit into the puzzle. Okay. Um, uh, in keeping with the way I run my shows, we're coming to the close of my show, so I always ask my guests, what is your takeaway message about sleep apnea from a dentist's perspective? That the dentist definitely plays a role. In the, on the team when it comes to the treatment of sleep apnea. We are uh, uh, definitely a recognized uh, modality to the treatment of sleep apnea. Uh, it's important that you get diagnosed correctly uh, uh, using, with a sleep test. And then once you, once you get your sleep test, if you can't get used to that CPAP machine, even though CPAP machine is the gold standard, if you're severe, if you can't wear it or you won't wear it, then you've got to do something. Okay. And oral appliance is the way to go if you cannot tolerate that CPAP machine. Okay. you got to call Dr. Cindy Edelstein. Uh, again, that's at West Morris Dental Sleep Center. To reach her, it's 973-584-1066. You can email me here at the show, and I can give you that information. Again, I'm Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We are the largest uh, group in the state taking care of your neurosurgical needs. Always remember, surgery is the last option here at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. Reach us at ansdocs.com and our main number is 973-285-7800. And as always, have a wonderful Sunday and I'll talk to you all next week. 
Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decision.